I'm good. Book of Matthew, chapter number 28. Matthew 28, and we'll look at verse 19 and 20 again. And then we're gonna, I'm going to read from two different other passages tonight for our text, along with Matthew 28, 19, and 20. We've already had a wonderful day. Looking forward to what the Lord has for us uh, in the service tonight. Of course, we have our theme for the year is a double portion. We want the Lord to do more for us. Uh, than he's done in the past. I'm certainly thankful that we serve a God who wants to do more uh, for us. And we've been focusing on the Great Commission. And we're going to look at that once again this evening. And then we'll uh, be in it again next Sunday as well. And I trust that it's been a help and a blessing to you. And I believe it's been a help to us as a church. Matthew chapter 28, we'll read verse 19 and 20. And my goal is if we read this every week, before long you can quote it. And we can just uh, quote it together, but I'll read again tonight, verse 19 and 20 of Matthew 28. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We know that Christ had risen from the dead. The resurrection had already taken place. He assembles his church, that called out assembly. His disciples were part of this group. Uh, Other followers were part of this group. And he gives them the Great Commission. He tells them to go and to teach all things, teach the death, the burial, the resurrection, as we preached this morning. Uh, Then baptize those who, who, who were converted, those who accepted Christ's payment, identifying them with Jesus, the one who saved them, and identifying with his church. Then they were to teach them so that they could grow in their Christian life. Uh, I'm thankful for salvation, aren't you? But it was never God's intention for somebody just to be saved and then sit. That's all they do. He wants us to grow as a Christian. The Bible tells us that (coughs) uh, it is precious in the sight of the Lord for the death of the saints. Why? Because God wants us with him. He wants us with him. There's, there's sorrow down here when one of our loved ones leave, but there's rejoicing up there. Why? Because the Lord wants us home with him. So why does he leave us here after salvation? Because he wants us to grow and become a disciple so that we can go and fulfill the, the great commission so that others might be saved. This is what <coughs> Christ commanded the mission he gave the church. We know this by now. This is, what, <coughs> this is his purpose. He says, there's a power. He says, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He says, wherever you take the gospel, I'll go with you. It's a wonderful truth. Yes, we can have confidence because of the power of the gospel. We can have confidence because of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. But not everybody is thrilled about the Great Commission. We have an enemy. The devil. Just as much as Christ has commissioned us, the devil is working to stop the Great Commission. I'll read in Matthew chapter number 13. If you want to mark the reference, there's a parable of the tares and the wheat. And how the tear, which is, it it looks like the wheat, but it's not. And you can be deceived. In verse 38 and 39 of Matthew 13... Well, at verse 37, he, he answered and said unto him, in, in the, well, look at verse 36, And Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. 
The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As we go and we give the Great Commission and we tell the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, there's one way to heaven. The enemy, the devil, is going to do all he can to work against that. Because just as much as God wants, our Heavenly Father wants everyone to be saved, and Jesus died for everyone, our enemy, the devil, he doesn't want anyone to be saved. He doesn't want anyone to receive Christ. I remind you what 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You and I have an enemy. His name is the devil. The Bible is very clear. Before salvation, we belong to him. So what about the religious? Before salvation, we belong to him. But after salvation, we belong to him. We are children of God. The devil doesn't want, the devil knows his future is sealed. He knows that the judgment is coming. And his desire is to take as many people with him as possible. Our commission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Our commission is to go to our neighbors and tell them about a risen Savior. Our commission is to grow in grace so that we can be a more effective witness in this lost world. Tonight, I, I want to preach on the subject of the enemy of the Great Commission. The enemy of the Great Commission. I'm going to pray in just a moment, and, and tonight will be a little bit different because I'm going to take a long time in the introduction. And if I take a good bit of time in the introduction, I don't want to let that to scare you that I'll take as long as I normally do uh, in the message. I will not. Uh, I, will, I, will, I will go through the points very quickly, but it's important that I lay the foundation tonight. I believe this will be a help to us this evening as we look at the enemy of the Great Commission. Father, help us tonight as we look into your word. May we be helped by the scripture. May the Spirit of God speak to our hearts. Father, once again, if there's someone in the service who is unsaved, they've yet to put their faith and trust in Christ. May they realize their need of a Savior. May they realize Jesus paid the price for them. And it is their heart that must believe in the righteousness. Father, I pray that they might get their salvation settled this evening. Father, I also pray that for us as a church, may we be sober, may we be vigilant, may we be aware that as we press forward for you, the enemy is going to do what he can to stop your church. And Father, may the message tonight be helpful in the information we get, but may we be mindful of our responsibility to the Great Commission. Use the message tonight, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When the church advances through the Great Commission, the devil must attack, oppose the church. We're excited about what the Lord is doing. We're excited about the souls that have been saved. Jesus commissioned His church and sent forth His church to go and to fulfill the Great Commission. I think by now in this series, we have established that this is what the purpose of the church is. As the church advances, it's amazing, the Great Commission still works in 2023, doesn't it? Souls can still be saved in 2023. If you're here tonight and you're unsaved, let me tell you, uh, you you can have salvation tonight. Your soul can be saved tonight because God is still saving sinners. The Great Commission still works. 
And when the church advances through the Great Commission, the enemy of the church, the enemy of the Great Commission, the enemy of our Savior must stop the message of victory over sin. He must stop that. And that's, that is the greatest message. Uh, we are all sinners, as I reminded us this morning, but there's victory over sin. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. If there is a message that Satan does not want this world to hear, it is that message. That, that a church can't save you, your good works can't save you, who you know can't save you, but only through Christ can one be saved. There are many in this world, I believe it, there are many that live in our neighborhoods, in our city, and we go to work with them who are without hope. They bear that sin burden that you and I bore before our salvation, and they don't realize that they can lay it down. They, they don't realize that they can have victory over it. They don't realize that those things that they did don't have to haunt them forever. They don't realize that they don't have to pay for those sins because Christ has already paid the price. They just need to put their faith and trust in Christ. That's the message that Satan wants to keep away from them. So we need to understand when the church advances as we've decided, it is no little thing for us to say, Lord, give us double what you've given us before. It's not a little thing for us to say we want to work to a point where we win people to Christ, we get families involved in the church, and we double our attendance before the, end, the year's out. That pleases God. It doesn't please the enemy. See, when a church recommits to the Great Commission, determines to double, sacrifices for the cause financially, then he must oppose it. Our enemy is not pleased with Bible preaching. He's not pleased with the vision for the world. And friend, I've reminded us, and I believe it to be true, we have an opportunity to make a generational difference. We have an opportunity to do so and have a vision for the world with our missions. He de the devil doesn't like the buses running and making a way to the house of God for those who otherwise could not get there. He doesn't like new soul winners trained. He doesn't like somebody being trained to go and win somebody to Christ. He doesn't like that. He doesn't like our mission endeavors to start churches in Africa, Central America, South America. He does not like that. He doesn't like Christian schools. And I'm excited about the future and the expansion of our Christian education ministry into other places. But let me tell you who's not excited about that. The devil's not excited about that. He, he's not excited. He doesn't like the North Florida Baptist College, training another generation. Another generation to do what? Build churches, be a part of a church that fulfills the Great Commission. He's not happy about that. He doesn't like our publications ministry that preserves and promotes the truth. I probably should talk more about it, but what you, you don't realize is that there are dozens and dozens of churches all over this country and this world that the gospel tracts that they handed out this past week, we printed for them. He doesn't like that. The truth that is preserved that allows Christians to grow so that they can not just grow in the Christian life, but to see other people saved. He doesn't like the Amanda Ranch where hurting families can heal and stay in the fight and missions trips. He doesn't like that. One thing I've learned through my ministry, oh, the devil hates that ministry. He doesn't like Camp New Beginnings where young people will get saved and Young people will surrender their life to preach the gospel. I'm excited about all those things. I'm excited about every one of them. 
I'm excited to have a part. I'm excited to be part of a church that has a part. Aren't you excited about what God is doing? Aren't you excited about what we have an opportunity to do? But can I tell you who's not? The enemy of the Great Commission is not excited about it at all. He's not excited about it. I want to use for a few minutes to illustrate a timeline, and I want to do this from the perspective of the enemy. We certainly understand the command of Christ. See, what is most important is not for the church to get caught up in a social gospel. What is most important is not for the church to get caught up in political reform. What is important is for us to fulfill the Great Commission. If people get saved and people are serving the Lord, something tells me they'll learn how to vote right. The Spirit of God can lead them in that direction. Our responsibility is to fulfill the Great Commission. But I want to look at, Christ has commissioned us to do that. That's what we should do. But I want to give us a little reminder through Scripture of a timeline uh, from, from, from the, main, the main event that we're, we're focused on today, even through today. And so I'm going to get the men on the platform to help me in just a moment. I, I could do this a different way, but I'm trying to keep them awake. So I'm going to have them help me. And so today, we're, uh, it's Easter Sunday, we're focused on the resurrection, but truth of the matter is, we're focused on it every Sunday, and as Christians, we should be focused on it every single day. But the resurrection, that monumental event, it was sung about this evening. It was preached on this morning. The death, the burial, the resurrection, the Son of God. God in flesh, who came down the man, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, went to the cross of Calvary, took upon him the sins of the world, yielded up the ghost. Man didn't take his life, he gave his life. Man doesn't have the power of the Son of God. And three days later, he came out of that tomb, and what he had in his hand were the, de- the keys of death and hell. That's why you and I don't have to fear death, because Christ conquered it. You and I don't have to fear hell, because Christ conquered it. It is through faith in Him. We rejoice in that, don't you? But the devil doesn't rejoice in that. We all of hell rejoiced. When Jesus nailed to that cross, said, It is finished. Took that final breath and died. All of hell rejoiced in that. The devil knows, he, he, knows, he, know, he knows the image. He's helping, is it, do we have a chance? And for three days, all of hell could rejoice in the death of Jesus. But it was a short-lived celebration. Because at the resurrection, he was defeated. Brother Mike, I'm going to get you to stand up here and you just hold that for me. And if you can't read that... It's defeated at the resurrection. Now, you and I have victory at the resurrection. But our enemy was defeated at the resurrection. Please hear me carefully. No matter how loud he roars, he's defeated. The Bible tells us he's the prince in the power of the air, but that's a short-lived thing because the day's coming when King Jesus is taking his rightful place. He is defeated. The book of Revelation tells us he cannot overcome the blood of Christ. He cannot. It is not possible. He can't take you. If you're saved, he can't take you to hell with him. He can't overcome that power. He was defeated at the resurrection. 
Now, I have victory, you have victory if you're saved because of the resurrection. We ought to live like we have victory in Jesus. But our enemy does not. He was defeated. Young people, listen to me. The devil will come to you and say, won't you, just, won't you follow me? But he's a loser. No matter how he dresses it up, he's lost. He's been defeated at the resurrection. We have victory. He has defeat at the resurrection. We know that after his resurrection, Brother Roach, I'll have you stand up here and hold this. We, we, we see Christ gives his commission. Christ gives his commission. We're reading about it each and every Sunday, the Great Commission. Jesus resurrected. He appears before his disciples. He appears for his, before his followers. He gathers them together and gives them what we read tonight, the Great Commission. He said to go and win them, baptize them, and train them, disciple them. So they are to multiply themselves. I'm to, the, the disciples were to win someone to Christ, let them know of salvation, baptize them, identify them with Christ, and then train them so they can go and win someone else. That is what Christ did. He gave His commission. This is after the resurrection. Next, we find... Brother French, I'll have you stand up over here. The church advances with one accord. In Acts chapter number 1, verse 8, before Christ ascends into heaven, He tells them that after you receive power from the Holy Ghost, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. The gospel works everywhere, on every continent, in every language, to every people. After you get the power, that same group of people, after Christ ascended into heaven, you think back, those angels said, Why stand ye gazing? This same Jesus is coming again. Go do what He told you to do. They assembled in that upper room as their church, and they prayed for the power of the Spirit of God. They go and they begin to advance. Very, very subtle, but very, very important. In the beginning of the book of Acts, those words, one accord, were used. They were of one accord. What does that mean? They were on the same page. What was it about? Was they on one accord on the color of the carpet? No, that's not what they were one accord about. Were they of one accord about you name whatever it is that we put so much emphasis on today? No, they were of one accord of the Great Commission. They were on the same page. They didn't care about the color of paint on the walls. They didn't care about the things so many churches have split over today. All they cared about was Jesus said, go win them, baptize them, and teach them. That's all they cared about. They were of one accord, and so they took the commission. They built everything, their life around it because it is the mission of the church. I'm thankful that we have fellowship, and I'm thankful what comes to my mind is our breakfast fellowship with the donuts and bagels over there. You say, well, I don't know why we have bagels. You don't have to be in one accord of that. You don't have to. But one thing we better be of one accord on is the Great Commission. So when the church advances with one accord, you know why the church isn't advancing today? They're not of one accord. 
But they get on the same page, the power of the Spirit of God, and they begin to advance around what? The Great Commission. After that, but Montgomery, I'll use you. We have Pentecost and beyond. In Acts chapter 2, you have the miracle at Pentecost when Peter preaches. And 3,000 trust Christ in one day. That was not, I do not believe that was the founding of the church, but it was certainly a significant event. As an empowered church begins to move forward with one accord. Why would the Spirit of God empower something that Jesus did not commission? Why would the Spirit of God empower us to draw attention to us? Let me tell you, this is just a side note. If, if, if a preacher's not involved in the Great Commission, he don't have the Holy Spirit power. That's why he gives it. So we have Pentecost and beyond the advancement of the church. The book of Acts tells us, that the world was turned upside down. And it was not turned upside down by Republicans or Democrats. It was turned upside down by the church. It was turned upside down not because they led a political revolution. It was turned upside down because daddies were getting saved. Mambas were getting saved. Children were getting saved. Entire cities were getting saved. And, And the world changed... Because of the advancement of the church. Now bear in mind, how did we get here? We got here because Satan was defeated at the resurrection. Christ rose victorious. He assembles, he gives his commission. Win them, baptize them, teach them. The church advances with one accord. Didn't you? We heard what Jesus said. Let's all get together and we're going to pray and we're going to seek the power of the Lord. And when we have it, then we're going to go forth. That miracle, they advance on the same page. You say, what did they discuss? They had a business meeting in the upper room. They didn't have a business meeting. They prayed for God to empower them. The very people who crucified their Savior, they're going to go and try and win them. They needed... Power to do that. They were of the same mindset, the same page. Well, Pastor, no, I just don't. I just don't have the same mindset as you do on that. This probably isn't the church for you. Then I say that as lovingly as I possibly can. But I believe Christ commissioned the church, and we should all be of one accord on what Christ has said. And when we are, then the church advances. It is a direct correlation in what we have seen as a church in the last several months by the emphasis that we have placed on the Great Commission. So, Pastor, when are you going to stop? I don't ever plan to. Because it is what the focus should be. And then the church advances. So, Pastor, why why are we starting another missions ministry? Because the church is to advance. There's another place that the gospel is going to be preached. Well, Pastor, in, in the future, if we double, are we going to settle on that? No, that's just getting us ready so we can double again. Amen. Why? Because the church is to advance. Amen. But you have to, we have to be of one accord. Yep. That's the key. Yep. Around the Great Commission. Then we have, in the book of Acts, tells us of the advancement of the church. You and I have the gospel now because of that same church that we're talking about. 
We have the gospel because of the advancement of the church. And as the church advances today, there are others who are going to get the gospel because of the church. Now, from our enemy's perspective, he was defeated. He's an eyewitness to what we're talking about. Christ gives his commission. Church gets empowered. They get of one accord. The church begins to advance. Now, Brother Fox, I'm going to get you to help me. And this is just the way it worked out. Satan (laughs) must stop the advance. When Jesus left heaven, born of a virgin, and lived on this earth, if you think back, Satan took him up to a high mountain and offered him the world, trying to keep him from going to the cross. Satan prayed in that garden of Gethsemane. Many of you have been there. Praying, Lord, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine. And he went to the cross of Calvary. He was resurrected. Satan has got a front row seat to what happens when God's people center around the Great Commission and they're of one mind, one heartbeat, one focus, one goal. Pentecost happens. 3,000 people are saved in one day. Then the church advances. You, you, you study and you listen to many say that this church, they believe, got to, the, got to as large as 100,000 people. You think the world felt that? You think Satan, the prince in power there, felt that? So now what does he have to do? He's not going to sit back and say, oh, I've been defeated. He has, he must stop the advance. He must stop it because he hates our Savior. He hates God. He hates you. He hates man. He hates the church. We can't even picture how evil Satan is. He's the embodiment of everything that is evil. He wants to take those lost souls and he wants to deceive them and he wants to take them to hell with him, but... He was defeated at the resurrection. There's nothing he can do about that. Then Christ gives his commission. Nothing he can do about that. And then the church gets of one accord, begins to advance. We have the gospel today. We are a New Testament local church, as is described in the book of Acts. He must... Stop the advance of the church. There are two ways that I find in the Bible that he does this. Brother Cruz, I'll let you hold this one right up here. The first one is persecution. In the book of Acts, he begins to persecute the church. This is his opposition from outside of the church. You read the book of Acts and how many times you find that For example, uh, Stephen, that deacon who was stoned, is persecuted. 
the governments would call in Paul and Silas and Peter and the other disciples and say, do not preach in his name again. And like good independent Baptists, they walked right out and went and preached in his name on their doorstep. And then they were beaten for it. I know somebody at work called you Billy Bible, and you're ready to get the martyr's crown, but they were beaten for it. They were imprisoned for it. Sometime, and I do this when I feel sorry for myself, I turn to Paul's testimony. Describing how many times he's been beaten, how many time, lashes he got, how many times he's been shipwrecked and imprisoned. Uh, the persecution came. You say, well, Pastor, that happened then. It still happens today. Sadly, we've gotten to a place in our country where Christians and churches are persecuted. I'm thankful I live in the free state of Florida. But some of my brethren are persecuted by their local governments because they're a Bible-preaching church. And, 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 you, know, and I don't, you know I don't say much about this, but I think it's very appropriate tonight. We have an administration in Congress who would shut our doors in a heartbeat. They'd throw me in jail as quick as they, if they could get away with it. Thank God for the Second Amendment. Why? Because persecution. There are things that have taken place, and I haven't said much about it, and I probably should have. There are things that have taken place in our city in the last couple of years that I think is just a, is direct persecution. See, have you been singled? I don't think we've been singled out. I think it's just we're a church. That's what he does. The, the apostles all lost their life because of why? They were fulfilling the Great Commission. What great controversy did they, did they stir up? They preached that Jesus was a risen Savior. They preached that the law could no longer save you, and these false gods were going to send you to hell, but you had to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does Satan do? He's not going to stand by. He's got to stop the advance. I know what I'll do. I'll persecute them. That's one method he has. The other, Brother Collinsworth, I'll let you stand with this one is the disruption of the accord. This takes place inside the church. Where does the momentum come from? Well, it begins when the devil was defeated at the resurrection. Then he gives the commission, and then when that church gets of one accord, one heartbeat, one mindset... We've got to advance the gospel. We've got to advance the cause of Christ. That's why in all of our, certainly from this pulpit all the way down, all of our ministries, we're not changing the focus of our Christian school to try and get a bunch of D1 athletes. No, it's, it's going to have the focus. It's a discipleship ministry. And a bonus of that is they can read and write, and they, and they know America is not a bad place, and they know that they were created, they didn't evolve. It's a discipleship ministry. All of these ministries are tied to the Great Commission. We're to be of one accord. And then there's going to be an advancement. There's no new thing under the sun. Have I ever taught you that? So the devil says, I must stop the advance. He's only got two ways of doing it. The first way is from outside the church. 
This is where I believe churches make the mistake. That gets our focus, but there's nothing we can do about it. We cannot stop persecution. Rightfully so. I'm concerned of whether or not. You say, well, Pastor, I don't know why you're so concerned about it. Because I'm the one doing the preaching. And I read how those preachers got pulled to the street and beaten. Well, if they're going to make a point, what are they going to do? They're, you know where they're going. It's persecution. We can do nothing about that. So we can all get out and vote. We've seen that happen. There's nothing we can do about certain things, but what do we do? We get all tied up in that which comes outside the church. I'm not saying we're not concerned about it. All we can do is get on our knees and talk to God about it. But we can't change it. But what takes place inside the church is that which destroys churches. There's a great statement about persecution. The blood of the martyr is the seed of the church. You, you read, I've read from this passage, you read from Acts, and I want to say it's, it's chapter 5, if my memory serves me correctly. The church begins to be persecuted. Stephen has been stoned. And it's after that Saul, the apostle Paul, is converted. It's after that, the Bible says, when the persecution came, the Christians scattered. They weren't stopped, they scattered. And in their scattering, they went into a, a town that did not have the gospel, and now another church was started. We have the promise, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. I'm going to take God's word before I take the devil's word. I'm going to take God's word before I take some, some discouraged, former whatever. I'm going to take God's word. The gates of hell shall not prevail. Now, they can make it difficult, but they're not going to prevail. So he tries to stop from outside the church. Let me put some persecution. Let me see if they fold. But if we are empowered by the Spirit of God, if we have one accord... Not even persecution is going to stop that. So then he tries a disruption of the one accord. The one accord around the Great Commission. It's important for you and I to know that the devil has a crowd outside the church and inside the church. Say, Pastor, what? I take you back to the parable of the wheats and the tares. There are many who claim the name of Christ... But the Heavenly Father know, does not know them. And they do a work outside and inside the church. Now, outside of the church, when the devil tries to disrupt, we have no control over that. The Bible tells us the king's heart is in his hand. The Bible tells us that God raises up leaders and takes them down. He's in control of everything. God tells us He uses those situations. We have no control. But inside the church, we can control. Because we have been given instructions on how to control it. And if we would take the effort that we put in trying to control what takes place outside the church, and put that effort and focus on what takes place inside the church... The advance can't be stopped. Because we have the promise of God. 
So, Pastor, what, 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 are, are, what all does this mean? What it means is we have to keep the one accord. The devil isn't interested in whether or not you think it's right or wrong for your kids to have a chocolate bunny. But he is interested in whether or not the gospel was preached this morning. He is interested who was invited and who got saved in the service this morning. He is interested in the person who might have been in the service and the gospel was given. They didn't make a decision then. But oh, that conviction. They haven't they have thought. They haven't forgot about it all day long. And the Spirit of God is working. He's interested in that. He's interested in the entire families that have been saved in the last many weeks. He's interested in that. He cares about that. He wants to stop that. So while on a big picture, he puts pressure from the outside. And aren't you thankful the day is going to come, that trumpet's going to sound, and God's church is rising. He's putting in that big picture pressure on the outside. But in the individual, the church that disrupts his kingdom is the church that has one accord around the Great Commission. So therefore, he wants to creep on the inside. What you and I should be focused on is that which we can control from the inside. Now, very quickly, I'm going to have these men sit down. I'm just going to give you number one, number two, number three, and number four. I'll make a few comments on them, but again, I'm laying the foundation because I want to see the importance. Our enemy was defeated at the resurrection. So, Pastor, are you afraid? Absolutely not. Well, I've read the book of Acts, and th- there's, Pastor, nothing personal. Greater Christians than you were, were executed. Okay, so the persecution, none of that happened without God signing off on it. None of that happened. Let me remind you, when Stephen lost his life, we got the Apostle Paul. God's in control of everything. We don't have to fear. Why? Because if my life is taking, he was defeated at the resurrection. We have eternal life through Christ. The advancement of the church that gets around that one accord. The devil's got to stop. I want you to keep this in mind because I'm going to have the men sit down. He must stop the advance. He has two ways. Persecution from the outside. Disrupt of one accord on the inside. Thank you, men. You can sit down and just put the signs by your... And I want you to focus on that because I want to give you some tools the devil uses to disrupt one accord in the church. You have probably heard me preach many times, and sometimes maybe you scratch your head or say, I'm not sure I really understand that or 100% agree with that. Because I, I remind us, let's not keep our... I'm more, I'm more interested in what goes on inside the church than I am what goes on outside of the church. My responsibility as the pastor is to keep the church of one accord. I mean, look around. There's a lot of different personalities in here tonight. There's a lot of backgrounds. There's some who've been saved a long time, some who've been saved a short time. Some have strong opinions, and then some have stronger opinions. My my goal, my responsibility is to keep us of one accord on the Great Commission. I understand the devil wants to disrupt that one accord. Let me give you four tools, and I'm going to go as quickly as I can. Number one, he disrupts the one accord with doctrine. 
He disrupts the one accord with doctrine. Jude verse 4 says, For there are certain men crept in unawares who are before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. There are certain men who crept in unawares. Jude warned the church. Part of my responsibility is to watch for bad doctrine. And you can't go down to a so-called Christian bookstore, buy some a book that's supposedly somebody Christian, and you need to be concerned about the doctrine. Not everything you see posted about the resurrection on Facebook is doctrinally sound. Not every song that you hear, so this is doctrinally sound. Not every philosophy and every belief is doctrinally sound. In one way, he gets the church off of the Great Commission. I mean, just to give an example, if, if you were to believe a doctrine that says no matter what, God has condemned some to heaven and some to hell, why would you be concerned about the Great Commission? Why would it matter? He disrupts with doctrine. Now, now, what is the solution to that? Romans 16, 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. I'm just going to be very frank with you. There's some people I tend to keep out of this pulpit. There's some people I'll do the best I can to keep their books out of your library. There's some people that I will, t- I will warn you, don't watch their YouTube channel. What? Say, Pastor, you're just a troublemaker. I'm told to mark them. Why? Because I don't want to disrupt the one accord. It, the Bible does give, it uses the pastor as a shepherd to protect the sheep. So he disrupts the one accord with doctrine. Doctrine matters. So pastor, we've got to get involved in this and this and this. Well, doctrine matters. If somebody doesn't believe that, that, that Jesus is the only way to heaven, I, can't, I don't care what the cause is. Because doctrine matters. Number two, he disrupts the one accord with division. That momentum gets going. Can you feel the momentum our church has right now? Oh, you can feel the momentum. So, Pastor, what are, what are you focused on? Oh, I'm watching for the potential disruption. Because I know that when a church begins to advance, it not only gets heaven's attention, it gets hell's attention. And now it gets our enemy's attention. He says, I've got to stop the Great Commission. He can do it with doctrine. He'll disrupt with division. I'll use 3 John, verse 9 through 11. And if you want to turn there, you can. But John writes, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words. And not content therewith, neither doth he receive himself, doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. There's a man that John, John the Beloved, John the Lover, wrote about Diotrephes, who love... To have the preeminence among them. Well, Pastor, how does that apply to us? What was Diotrephes doing? He was placing himself above the accord of the church. He placed himself above the importance of the church. Can I just be very frank tonight? Your opinion is not more important than this church. 
Well, Pastor, I work in this ministry, and this, well, it's great. All the ministries are important, but it's not more important than this church. Pastor, I, I, I know some things still not important, more important than this church. And from the pastor to the back pew, anybody who places their opinion above the accord of the church is working against the discord of the church. So I just want to share, your opinion doesn't always have to be shared. If you got a concern, you can. You, there's ways that you can express that concern. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that at all. But notice what Diotrephes did. He loved to have the preeminence among them. Receiveth us not. What did he do? He worked against the apostle John. He he stole the tried to steal the influence that the apostle John was to have. The authority that God had granted the apostle John. What did he do? He said he prayed it against us with malicious words. I, I read those words, and those malicious words are words that do harm, assassinate character, prating, working against. You know, that's what gossip does. If, if another Christian comes to you, another church member comes to you and say, I heard, stop the conversation right there. Stop it right there. He, he would criticize. You know, it's, it's, this is still, this is practical, but this is still Bible. If you've got a concern, my cell number hasn't changed in 20 years. Now, some of you, I got you blocked, but, but I, my cell number has not changed in 20 years. You probably saw me tonight. I stood right down here for 20 minutes before the service started. I'm easy to find. But that's not what a Diotrephes does. And he doesn't come right out and criticize the, the Apostle John. Who does he think he is? He's like, I'm concerned about John. I'm concerned that he might be taking too much upon himself. I'm concerned he doesn't have much experience in this area or this area, and I just want what's best for the church. Now the focus is off of the Great Commission. Well, well what, what's wrong? Well, Diotrephes said. Let me remind you, Diotrephes had to be a member in good standing in that church. See, what Nero could not do sitting on his throne in Rome, Diotrephes could do inside the church. The whispers. See, Pastor, what are, you, are you talking about something specific? No, I'm just telling you. I know how the devil works. When that momentum begins and God's church begins advancing, it comes from the outside. But then it comes from the inside. I can't control the outside, and neither can you. But I can control the inside, and quite frankly, so should you. Pastor, that, I thank you if it's your responsibility. It's your responsibility, too. It's your responsibility as a member of this church to keep one accord around the Great Commission. I say this as lovingly as I can. Your problem is not bigger than the Great Commission. That doesn't mean I don't care about your problem. I've been your pastor long enough to know I care about your problem. I've been your pastor long enough to know that, that you can get me out of bed at 1 o'clock in the morning and I'll be there to help you. 
I'm available. I pray for you. But the focus must be on the Great Commission. Heaven and hell is at stake. Somebody's mama is going to die and go to hell because we're bickering over something over here. Somebody's daddy is going to die and go to hell because, you know, I'm concerned about if there's whispers in the back, if there's whispers in the shadow, it is not of God. It is of the devil. I don't care whose name you attach it to. Because the devil wants to stop Disrupt the one accord. Be very, very careful. Notice what else the Bible says. Praying against us with malicious words and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive, neither doth he himself receive the brethren. And forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Isn't part of the Great Commission not just winning, preaching the gospel, baptizing them, but helping them grow? Receiving the brethren? We're to be a hospitable church. Christians are to be hospitable. Well, they're not exactly like me. So what? We're to receive the brethren. In other words, he wasn't doing what he should have been doing when it comes to the Great Commission. But he was, had an opinion that he needed to give. Probably was an educated man. Those who are not, those who cause division, you mark it now, they're not involved in the Great Commission. Because they were involved in the Great Commission, they wouldn't have time to disrupt the one accord. What's the, what's the solution to this? I like, John condemned them. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. What's well, amazing that here's a man that is in the church, and John calls him evil. Why is it? Because it was disrupting the one accord. It's all about the Great Commission. I'm the pastor of this church, in my opinion, is not above the Great Commission. My wants, desires is not placed above the Great Commission. It's all we have to be of one accord about the Great Commission. we, We do not want to disrupt the momentum. Number three, he disrupts the one accord with discord. Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? One of the most exciting things as a pastor is to watch growth in people. To see them grow. And sometimes that person, I'm just not doing very well, but you've seen their growth. That's an exciting thing. If you're, if you're a new Christian, don't get frustrated where you're at. Just keep growing. If you've been saved 30 years, keep growing. But that... He disrupts the one accord with discord. What gets everybody off of the same page? Now, by the way, I like preaching these messages when we have a good spirit. I like preaching these messages when God is obviously blessing and that momentum is building because I want us to be paying attention because I don't want to be the hindrance to what God wants to do with His church. Galatians 5-7, Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? If there's somebody who used to run their race well and is not, I promise you, there's a who involved. And it's not who they say it is. Well, the pastor just wouldn't go. That's not the who. The who is somebody that's been texting them. The who is somebody who Marco Polo's them. The, The who is somebody, you're surprised I know what that is, aren't you? That the who is somebody who gets on the phone and gossips with them. 
The who is somebody you follow on social media that doesn't even know you. You don't even know them. But they are leading you contrary to the one accord. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you? Sometimes we as Christians get the wrong advice, the information, from places we should not get it. Teenagers, if you, listen to me. Don't get enamored by celebrity in this world and think they know something. They don't know nothing. There's more wisdom in a godly mom and dad. That's the who that you should listen to. And if you'll permit me, oh, God gave you a pastor. If he's good enough to go in the middle of the night and help pray a trage- out of a tragedy, if he's good enough to call and say, would you pray about this promotion or this job? If it's good enough to call and say, I'm concerned about one of my children, would you pray with me? Then all of a sudden, overnight, he turns into an idiot and doesn't know what he's talking about. And you don't need his counsel. You're not, it's not that you're not listening to the pastor anymore. It's who you're listening to. That's not your pastor. That's not your parent. That's not your spiritual leader. He disrupts a pastor. Why are you saying this? Because I don't want our one accord disrupted with discord. And we, I have to be careful of who I listen to, even as a pastor. The pastors and preachers that compromise, they didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to take the truth and throw it out the window. It's a who they begin listening to. Contrast that with 2 Timothy 1.3 as Paul writes, I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers in pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Young people, I'll challenge you again. You have a mom or dad that prays for you. Do not discount that. You have a pastor that prays for you. That means something. If you'll, well, you're going to permit me because I think sometimes these things need to be said. You know, when, when you open your heart and your ears to somebody who has not earned it, I don't appreciate having to catch your mama's tears. I don't appreciate the discouragement it gives to God's church to a Sunday school teacher who took money out of their pocket to provide an activity, to people who invested. So, Pastor, why are you saying this? Because God's blessing us. we got a good thing going. But the devil has got to stop the momentum. How's he going to do it? He's got to disrupt the one accord. He's got to get there and say, well, it's not just about the Great Commission. It's about this. It's about this. In a verse that... A lot of rebels don't like. I'll leave with you and go to number four and we'll be done. Hebrews 13 and 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that give must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. I'll say something that is scriptural and I don't know why it's controversial amongst Christians. That is speaking about the pastor and the authority he has in the church. It doesn't mean I'm your dictator. It doesn't mean I lord over you. I don't care if you like soft tacos or hard tacos. Why choose? But God does grant authority to the pastor of the church to preach this book and to give you direction for life. 
And he does give the pastor discernment that he gives nobody else in your life. What this verse is teaching is that if that you should get your counsel and advice from your pastor, not anybody else. How can somebody who hasn't prayed for you, hasn't fasted for you, hasn't been responsible to feed you spiritually, has watched you grow, was there when you got saved, might have even performed your wedding ceremony, all those things that he's involved in your life, how is somebody who doesn't know anything about you, or not to the degree the pastor does, going to really give you good counsel? Number four, he disrupts the one accord with the feet. Galatians 5, 16 and 17, Then I, this I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. You, you and I have a responsibility. I'll use myself, and then you can apply it to you. Everything that God is doing, and God is doing miracles. God is doing things. It's, it's wonderful when anybody gets saved. But then, man, to hear testimony of, of this loved one, and their, their, their whole home's getting saved. I mean, you're talking about making a generational different difference. That's a generational difference. Praise the Lord for what He's doing. Praise the Lord for the miracles He's done and the, the preservation of His church. It's obvious to this church that God has preserved this church. But I have a responsibility in the midst of everything good that God is doing not to live by my flesh, but by the Spirit of God. Simply put, that flesh is what I want. That flesh is what I feel like doing. That flesh is carnal. Even though you're saved, you still have this old flesh that is carnal and doesn't like spiritual things. But you and I have a responsibility to walk by the Spirit. You cannot walk by the Spirit and walk contrary to His Word. In the midst of all of that God is doing, let's not take it for granted. Let's be in our Bibles every day. Let's be faithful to the teaching of the Word of God. Let's spend that time in prayer growing so that we don't walk by the flesh. The flesh says, I don't feel like doing that. When the Spirit says, it's, I, I must yield the flesh so that I, I can do it. I, I, I could say a lot more, but I promised you I wouldn't keep you here forever. But I think it's an important message. You need to guard yourself because if you walk by the flesh and stumble and fall, it affects somebody else. You've got to keep yourself right with God. and you gotta, If you've got yourself entangled with some sins of this world, you've got you to come down here and confess it to God. Ask Him to forgive you because He's worthy of that. He deserves that. But you need to do it because of what God will do with your life. Because of what God can do with your life. But you've got to do it for your family. But you've got to do it for your church. I, I, I think I keep a pretty level spirit about myself. I try and not get too high, not get too low. But I'll tell you what's a body blow. is when you see somebody you love stumble and fall in their Christian life. 
Pastor, what's your response? I want to run to them and help them get back up. Sometimes they won't let you do that. You know, I looked out this morning and saw so many familiar faces, so many new faces. Some of those familiar faces were faces I wish I didn't see, but anyway, no, no. It's the tendency of your pastor. I was excited to see familiar faces. I was excited to see new faces. But my mind went to the faces I didn't see. Where are they? Then begin to wonder. I wonder if they're okay. I'm not the only one doing that. Let's not disrupt the one accord by defeat, by our flesh. Think with me as our enemy was defeated, that church gets commissioned. They get around that one accord. It advances. The enemy says, I've got to stop it. He's got two ways. You study the Bible, you study history. Persecution from the outside. We can't control that one bit. All we can do is go to God and say, God, would you help us? God, would you preserve us? God, would you, would you, would you put a hedge of protection about us? And by, frankly, we ought to do that every day. But the other method is to come inside the church and disrupt. It doesn't mean there's not still good people there. It doesn't mean there's still not good things that have done. But it's different than that church that is of one heart, of one mind, of fulfilling the Great Commission. I don't want to be part of the reason is disrupted. I trust you. And this is a message. This is a message. I just want to bring our attention to it's naive to think when God's doing all of this, it's not stirring up the enemy. So I want us to be on guard. Do you know, my, I, I can get offended if I allow myself. I can have doubts put in my mind about some of you if I allow myself, if I listen to the right person. I can take my eyes off of him if, I, if I'm watching somebody else. Let me, flip the, 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 let me flip it around for you. I could be more worried about what's going on in somebody else's church than pastoring you. Is that fair to you? Absolutely not. Let's keep our focus on the Great Commission. Father, help us tonight as we consider these truths. I pray.